Welcome to Citizens Climate Radio, your climate change podcast. In this show, we highlight people's stories, we celebrate your successes, and together we share strategies for talking about climate change. I'm your host, Peterson Toscano. Welcome to episode 92 of Citizens Climate Radio, a project of Citizens Climate Education. This episode is airing on Friday, February 23rd, 2024. We have an episode for you that is packed with helpful resources, good news, and tools to help you in your climate work. Tamara Staten is back with the Resilience Corner. You will hear her make a connection between our climate work and space. No, not that kind of space. Tamara has something else in mind. We have a good news story about a store that has completely done away with any packaging. Damon Mott's story, the Oregon chapter director for the Sierra Club, gives us a personal tour. We are thrilled to premiere a new recurring feature of our show, the Citizens Climate Lobby Youth Corner. Veda Ganesan tells us about the critical role youth played at last year's COP28 meeting. At this global UN summit, youth had a seat at the table, and they had a lot to say. I will tell you about two museums I recently visited in New York City. They both seek to inform and inspire the public about climate change. But we begin our show with a story. We all have our own climate change origin stories. Your concern over global warming may have just started in elementary school or middle school or high school or it happened in college or even later in your life. Our guest today is a man who got so shaken up about climate change, he needed to do something serious about it. His concerns were so serious, in fact, that he turned to comedy in order to communicate his message. Brian Etling and I collaborated to bring his story to life with music and sound effects. Enjoy. How would you like to have fun and make a difference in the climate movement? Travel with me through time and space to Ashland, Oregon in 2009. I was house-sitting for a friend and unsure of what to do with my life. My friend Naomi pressed me to answer her directly, what do you want to do with your life? Fine, I said, if I could do anything, I would like to be the climate change comedian. Naomi fell out of her chair laughing. She said, that's great. Go straight home and start a website right now with that name. I did and started building the website climatechangecomedian.com. By 2009, I had worked for 17 years as a seasonal park ranger at Cradle Lake National Park, Oregon in the summers and Everglades National Park, Florida in the winters. I loved every minute of standing in front of an audience giving ranger talks in these iconic places, sharing about nature. Let's go back further in time in 1998. See, that's me. I was so excited to start my first job as a ranger tour guide in the national parks. I had worked various jobs for 16 years in the national parks, but this would be my first job narrating boat tours and talking to the public about nature. The nights before my first boat tour, I stayed up late studying. 
I schooled myself on the alligators, crocodiles, birds, dolphins, and manatees. I dug deep into the history of the park, along with the Native American and settler stories. I prepared myself to be the all-knowing ranger. Oh look, that's me in one of my first boat tours. Excuse me, all-knowing ranger, visitor said. I have a question. I smiled humbly, curious, and certain I had the answer. What's happening with global warming in the Everglades? Wait, what? I knew nothing about global warming. And visitors hate it when park rangers tell you, I don't know. This was before smartphones, so I hopped off the boat. I then ran to the park library. No, me running on foot. No, I am not running in the swamp. And I ran to the nearest Miami bookstore to read all the scientific books I could find about climate change. The information I read scared me. <laughs> what the F? Because of climate change, sea level was expected to rise at least three feet in Everglades National Park by the end of the 21st century. The sea level would swallow up most of the park in nearby Miami since the highest point on the park road is less than three feet above sea level. Wait, what about the crocodiles, alligators, and beautiful flamingos? What about all this ideal coastal habitat that will be lost because of sea level rise? Ugh, I hate you, climate change! Okay, enough with being back in the Everglades in 1998. So what did I do next? I was so worried about climate change that I quit my winter job at Everglades National Park. I then moved back to my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. I had to do something about climate change. In 2014, the light bulb went on. Hey, I'm the climate change comedian. I created a YouTube video that year. I listed my mom, Fran Etling, who plays the piano. I titled the video, The Climate Change Comedian and the Pianist. I'm so proud of Brian. He's always eaten his vegetables. Mom, you were supposed to say that I give great climate change talks. Anyway, I talk about how climate change is real, caused by humans. It's bad, but we can fix it. As you can tell, my mom plays beautiful piano music. And I think I'm very funny. You're not that funny. Anyway, to hear wonderful piano music, we hope you'll book my mom or book me for climate change talks. We guarantee it'll change your And like everyone who posts a random homemade video on YouTube, I became a star. Well, kinda, sorta. It was April 2016 and a producer from Comedy Central's TV show Tosh.0 noticed the video and called me to say, we want to fly your mom and you to Los Angeles for a videotape interview with host Daniel Tosh. The TV show aired nationally on Comedy Central on August 2nd, 2016. And I think I'm very funny. 
The good news about global warming is that redheads will soon be extinct. That inconvenient goof is Brian, and if a comedy climate change talk is what you want, he is available for booking. My first guest is America's favorite and only climate change comedian. Here to entertain and inform us, Brian. Great to be here, Danity. What proof do you have that climate change is real? Well, for the past 20... Poppycock liberal nonsense! <laughs> Brian, let's start with some simple stuff. Where are you from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Beautiful. To this day, appearing on Comedy Central's Tosh.0 was one of the highlights of my life. I talked about climate change using humor on national TV. It was seen by millions of people. I reached my dream, first as a park ranger, and then at last as the climate change comedian. In fact, in 12 years, I gave over 200 climate change talks in 12 U.S. states plus Washington, D.C. and Ottawa, Canada. Tosh.0 even brought me back as a guest a few years later. <laughs> then, 2020. Okay, we don't have to travel back in time to the COVID pandemic. It was a heavy time for all of us. I stopped doing climate change comedy for two years, I felt lost and even angry. I lost my mojo. But then I got a call, a phone call from Robin Riddlebarker, park superintendent of Hanging Rock State Park, North Carolina. She left a message on May 2022. Howdy, Brian. Stumbled upon your climate change comedian website as I was searching for inspiration about a guest for our annual conference of superintendents from North Carolina State Parks. I'm organizing this year's conference, and we want this conference to be inspiring and refreshing instead of depressing like it usually is. I'd love to find out if you could come give an in-person presentation to a bunch of Krusty Park superintendents. Alrighty then, give me a call back when you can. Bye now. I immediately jumped at this opportunity and called Robin. I asked, why were they interested in me as a speaker? Me. Why me? Myself and three other superintendents are brainstorming guest speakers that will inspire us. We found we usually leave the conference feeling more burnt out than we were when we arrived. But I determined this year will be different, and that we'll at least learn something, instead of listening to a boring HR policies that could have been handled in an email. As a professional speaker and a former park ranger, this was a perfect fit for me. I spent the next five months preparing this talk. I flew to North Carolina to speak in November of 2022. No, in an airplane. Hey folks, it's great to be here in North Carolina. You know, when Robin reached out to me, she said she wanted something exciting instead of listening to boring HR policies that could have been handled in an email. <laughs> it felt like I got my mojo back with this talk. Since then, I have begun traveling to other states to give educational, entertaining, and inspiring climate change talks. And I get to be funny which is not at all what people expect from a climate change presentation.
thanks so much for listening to my story. And what about you? Do you feel like a climate action figure who is lost in the toy box? I am here to say that there is a role for you. If I can have fun pursuing my dream to save the planet as the climate change comedian, I have no doubt you could pursue yours too. Oh, now I must dash off to my next climate change gig. No, not by train. No, not by plane. No, silly. I will ride my bike. Thank you so much, Brian. Brian Etling lives in Portland, Oregon, and has a long, rich history with Citizens Climate Lobby. His involvement with CCL began 14 years ago. Since that time, he has served in various roles, including as a legislative liaison, co-chapter leader, and the Missouri State Co-Coordinator. He has attended nine CCL international conferences in Washington, D.C., and has spoken as a breakout speaker there four different times. He has even presented at the Canadian National CCL Conference. Brian is a tireless advocate. Thank you, Brian, for all you do. Follow Brian on X at Brian Ethling and visit his website. That site is climatechangecomedian.com. Hi, I'm Tamara Staten, CCL's Education and Resilience Coordinator, and this is Resilient Climateering Through Unexpected Climate Connections. This isn't a series about weather or science or graphs or data, though I might reference a few of those from time to time. Instead, it's a series about things that help us worry less and act more on climate, explored through a lens of playful curiosity. Together, we'll explore how to enjoy what matters so deeply so that we can be as effective as possible for as long as we're needed. Today's topic is space and climate. These two seemingly unrelated concepts actually relate to one another in quite a few interesting ways, space and climate. First of all, for many of us, climate change takes up a lot of space, mental space, emotional space. And for many people and creatures on Earth, global warming drastically changes the amount and type of space that they can inhabit and enjoy. But let's look at a more intriguing relationship between space and climate. Not surprisingly, many of us feel urgency around climate change. And with this urgency comes the drive to work hard, constantly, without rest, to work without space. We may lack the necessary space between actions, space between thoughts, space between words, weeks, and even the feelings we experience. I don't know about you, but it's really obvious when I need space or rest. Consider when you feel tired or overwhelmed or burned out or stressed out. Sometimes I don't even know the source of my stress. There are so many things in life that might be the source. I might not even see the connection between stressful feelings and foundational concerns about climate. Or perhaps I do recognize the connection, and that can make it even harder to slow down and take some space because, let's face it, there are actions to be taken, letters to be written, calls to be made, there's no time for taking space, Tamara. But when I do take space, when I do allow for time and rest between my actions, between my weeks, between my thoughts and feelings, I am actually a much more effective advocate. 
When I create space, I enable presence and perspective. The space allows me to appreciate who I am and what I have. The space may well help you to connect more deeply to the community around you. Space allows us to see things with more distance, which often changes our perspective. Creating space widens our window of tolerance. This then allows us to respond more often with grace, ease, and courage to the challenges we face in the world. What might space look like for you? For me, it looks like putting my phone down and being present with my family. I can then listen intently as my daughter shares about her day. Creating space happens when I carve out times in my day and week when I don't work on or even think about climate change. I've also been enjoying long walks to our local park. On these walks, I listen to the birds and the wind instead of podcasts or music, allowing space for my own thoughts to wander. Maybe for you, it's a matter of going to bed earlier or sleeping later, or picking up that meditation practice that you've been thinking about trying out. I encourage you to consider how you can make space so that you have time to recover, refresh, and revive in between the vital climate action that you are doing. In our next episode, I'll dive into another set of unexpected climate connections, puppies and climate. How do these fluffy, rambunctious creatures have anything to do with our warming world? I'm Tamara Staten with The Resilience Corner. I thank you for listening and for your commitment to progress. To learn more about tools, trainings, and resources for staying strong through the climate challenge, check out our Resilience Hub at cclusa.org slash resilience. And until next month, remember this. Find your passion, let it guide you, and you'll do amazing things for our world. Thank you, Tamara. The Resilience Corner is made possible through a collaboration with Tamara Staten, Education and Resilience Coordinator for Citizens Climate Education. And now for something brand new. We premiere a semi-regular feature to our show, The Youth Corner. Middle school students and high schoolers from around the USA created Citizens Climate Lobby Youth. They meet regularly online, and they discuss ways they can reach their peers and the adults in their lives. They also are in the forefront of a campaign to electrify schools. And now, they're broadcasting their message on Citizens Climate Radio. Veda Ganesan is the producer and host of the CCL Youth Corner. Take it away, Veda. Welcome to Citizens Climate Radio's Youth Corner. We'll delve into the latest developments in climate action and environmental issues, all from the youth's point of view. I'm Veda Ganesan, CCL National Youth Podcast Lead, and today we're bringing you a special episode focusing on COP28. What do young people think about the 28th United Nations Climate Summit? What makes this COP different from previous ones? And what about all those oil companies taking part in this international climate conference? And I'll tell you how CCL and a CCL youth volunteer played a major role. COP28 in Dubai recently made headlines. I'm fascinated by the scale of it all. A remarkable 84,000 attendees, more than double the previous record holder at COP26. One thing that truly caught my attention was the deliberate effort to create a more inclusive dialogue. 
It wasn't just about negotiations at the table. There were also various side events spread across the two-week conference, so this definitely added a whole new depth of experience. On the home front, our own CCLU's volunteer, Vinay Karthik, was selected to join the Global Coordination Team, or GCT, for Youngo. This is the youth constituency of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Comprising of approximately 40 leaders from around the globe, the GCT plays a crucial role in organizing UN climate conventions, conferences, and events. Among the 15 youth selected worldwide, Vinay was appointed to the communications and media team. Serving as a logistics manager for COP28 in Dubai, he represented the mainland United States in this significant role. Vinay got to take part in the introduction of the inaugural Youth Climate Champion. It's a ministerial level aimed at fostering connections between governments, officials, and young climate activists. This program fully financed the engagement of 100 young individuals from different corners of the globe, empowering them to actively participate in the negotiations. With word from Vinay, the inclusivity extended to various stakeholders, including more than 1,300 affiliates of fossil fuel companies. Interestingly, representatives from major oil and gas corporations such as Shell, Chevron, Total Energies, and BP attended, sparking discussions on their role in the climate dialogue. Can't have a debate without the pro and con, right? Some attendees defended their inclusion, highlighting the potential for meaningful change if these companies are engaged in the conversation. Would you believe me if I told you only about a third of the country negotiating teams are represented by women? So it's time to shake things up for a climate game where everyone's got a fair shot. COP28 swung open the doors for all kinds of voices. Youth, women, indigenous peoples, and corporate bigwigs. The goal? Stir up some positive vibes. But is this just talk, or are we really giving the spotlight to those who actually get left in the shadows? As we wrap up our first feature on Citizens Climate Radio, it's clear that COP28 aimed for a groundbreaking conference with inclusivity at its core. The challenge now is ensuring that the commitment declared at the event materializes into meaningful actions and brings about lasting change. So that concludes our time with you. Thank you for joining us for the CCL Youth Corner and stay tuned for our next episode on the Great Electrification Challenge, one of my favorites. To learn more about CCL Youth, visit cclusa.org youth. Thank you so much, Veda. That was Veda Ganesan with a message from CCL Youth. Veda is the host of her own podcast, which is called Sustainable Sense. Sustainable Sense is available wherever you get podcasts. If you are in middle school or high school, find out how you can get involved with CCL Youth. Visit cclusa.org youth. Our good news story today comes from Portland, Oregon. I visited the city last summer. In addition to meeting up with Tamara Staten and Brian Etling, I also connected with Damon Mott's story. Damon is the director of the Oregon chapter of the Sierra Club. Damon took me to an extraordinary shop. I'm Damon Mott's story. Here we're in Portland, Oregon right now on Northeast Broadway Street, and we're just outside of this really cool little store called the Realm Refillery. It calls itself a package-free grocery, so I just wanted to point it out as a really cool spot here, a sort of a beacon and an example of what sustainable shopping can look like. 
And when you walk in, what do you see? What will you experience? It's so cute in there. There's all these different glass jars and just the whole place has a very like warm and inviting feel. There's plants that have been well curated throughout the establishment. And as you look around, you start to realize like, wow, they've got a lot of different kinds of things in here. They don't just have like bulk goods like flowers and gluten-free flowers. It's Portland. Come on. But they also have laundry detergent and all sorts of other supplies that you might need for going on a grocery shopping trip where you don't buy any disposable packaging. This is maybe a a little more expensive than going to a Safeway or (laughs) something like that, but it is so much higher quality and it is such a a great way to really live your values and really say to other, you know, grocers and supermarkets, like, this is how it can be, right? This is, this could be a way that we move away from all that single use plastic. And so it's like a little bit more costly, but it's really worth it. Thank you, Damon. Visit Realm Refillery in Portland, Oregon at 2310 Northeast Broadway or visit online at therealmrefillery.com. Learn more about Damon Mott's story and the Oregon chapter of the Sierra Club. Visit sierraclub.org slash Oregon. I have all these links in the show notes for you over at cclusa.org slash radio. So do you have good news you want to share on our show? I want to know about it. So email us, radio at citizensclimate.org. That's radio at citizensclimate.org. In the category of good news, I want to tell you about two museums I recently visited in New York City. The Museum of Modern Art, or MoMA, has a free exhibit on display, which means a lot because MoMA is expensive to get into. The exhibit is Life Cycles, the Materials of Contemporary Design, and it is free and located on the first floor. The exhibit uncovers the dynamic intersection of design and sustainability. It pushes the boundaries towards eco-friendly innovation. The collection of art and design pieces help us to reimagine creativity in a way that aligns with environmental values. My favorite piece is the Solar Ivy, also known as Smit Grow. This is a fantastic system of small moving solar panels that look like leaves. They make energy from the sun, and when the wind blows, they create even more energy. These small panels can be put on the side of buildings to create power. Solar Ivy is produced by a company in Brooklyn called Smit, S-M-I-T. Each leaf has a special layer and a tiny generator that makes electricity when it's sunny or windy or both. The exhibit is Life Cycles, the materials of contemporary design. Visit it for free at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And if you cannot visit the exhibit yourself, you can see images online. I've put links in the show notes for you. While in New York City, I also popped into the Climate Museum. It's located in Soho's Gallery District at 105 Worcester Street. The entire museum is dedicated to addressing the causes and impacts of climate change. Their current exhibit, The End of Fossil Fuel, is on display until April 28, 2024. What I most appreciate about the museum is that it offers visitors the opportunity to take meaningful, measurable, and achievable action steps. This includes a station where you can write your member of Congress, 
Learn more about the Climate Museum by visiting climatemuseum.org. And if you're looking for an action step that you can do to address climate change, visit cclusa.org slash action. Before we end this episode, we want you to get excited about next month's show. To tell us about it is CCR team member Horace Moe. Thanks, Peterson. Next month, you'll meet our newest team member, Erica Valdez. Erica will join Peterson and me for a conversation about the different parts we can play when addressing climate change. Eileen Flanagan, an activist and trainer, will tell us about four different roles that changemakers often play in change movements. These roles include advocate, rebel, helper, and organizer. So, what is your role in our rapidly changing world? Join us and learn how to be an even more effective climate action figure. The episode premieres on Friday, March 22nd, 2024. Thank you, Horace, and thank you for joining me for episode 92 of Citizens Climate Radio. Citizens Climate Radio is written and produced by me, Peterson Toscano, along with the CCR team, Horace Moe and Erica Valdez. Special thanks to Veda Ganesa, Tamara Staten, Brian Etling, and Damon Mott-Story for their contributions to this episode. Technical support comes from Ricky Bradley and Brett Cease. Social media assistance from Flannery Winchester. And moral support from Madeline Perra. You can now follow us on a multitude of social media platforms, including Twitter, or X, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. Visit cclusa.org slash radio to see our show notes, a full transcript of this episode, links to our guests, and much more. Citizens Climate Radio is a project of Citizens Climate Education.